Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. continue to stay sensitive and if you know anything about me I'm not afraid of these moments I don't want to rush through these moments but what Jesus has been doing is we've been um, purposely sitting in his feet as we've been going to his word as we've been saying we want to be nurtured by Jesus we want to grow in affection for Jesus we want for his heart what his heart beats for we want ours to beat for and it takes proximity, it takes closeness, it takes, um, it takes not just as we've been saying, sermons don't change us, Jesus does. So we want to move his heart, we want to minister to him. And um, man, there's no greater joy. I'm so proud of, as we were here at the altar, that Sean and Ashley, there you guys are, Sean had a moment, felt the Lord move on his heart to rededicate his life to the Lord and just commit to Jesus. I'm seeing, seeing God do amazing things in your life and in your children. But we just celebrate that today as all of heaven is celebrating. And there's no taller place we ever stand as men, Sean, than when we're on our knees, when we're allowing the Lord to humble us, when we're being sensitive to his presence in that. I celebrate that with you and honor you today as you're moving and allowing Jesus to touch you in a deeper way. And if you're here today and you need a, a fresh touch of Jesus, I believe even the sermon is going to bless you. And I'm going to ask Corey just to stay in a place of worship and you can be seated. And we're just going to allow the, the word of God to minister to us and, and that I might have a time of just praying for you if you need additional prayer but just allow the Holy Spirit to move upon your heart. We watched as we were healing up of Pastor Webb's message last week, and Pastor Webb, thank you for holding the fort down and loving on these wonderful people and this wonderful church. And I love the one part in your message where it's that clinging to Jesus when nothing else makes sense and you got to cling and you got to say, Jesus, 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 I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go. And we live in a world today, we can't let him go because Jesus is moving and we don't want him to pass us by because if we're not sensitive, if we're not aware, he will pass us by. And I don't want him to pass our church by. I don't want him to pass you by today. And so I want to open up with the scripture, this is a wonderful scripture. It's John chapter 21. And we're in these resurrectionals where we're looking at the risen Jesus. There's nine accounts in scripture where we see Jesus in his resurrected body. And he teaches very personally different disciples. We see in the account of Doubting Thomas, where he turns Doubting Thomas into a faith-filled, fired-up believer, an apostle. Um, we see on the road to Emmaus, which we taught on a couple weeks ago, we see Luke and, and Cleophas that are walking, and Jesus reveals himself and gives them holy heartburn and burns powerfully in their heart. 
and opens the scriptures and teaches and shows of himself. And today we see this beautiful personal account of where Peter is restored, where Peter's restored. And this is very important of what Jesus is doing here because we are all in need of restoration. And uh, holy in our lives, if we've not come to Jesus, when we meet Jesus, a restoration work begins. But then as we're following Christ and there's vices that come up, there's unhealed emotions and passions, there's unbridled things in our life that we need to submit to Jesus, that we're all in need of restoration until we go to be with him. We're a work of restoration. And I pray today as we look at Peter's restoration, that it's your restoration, it's my restoration, and that he wants to put his hand on you, not out of anger, not out of you've betrayed me, you've walked away from me, what have you done? But it's more he comes to us with such mercy in his eyes, such love in his heart, and he meets with us and he does a work of where he recreates. So you're gonna see this in the scripture today. If you put up John chapter 21, Nadia, we'll read it and allow it to prayerfully minister to our hearts today. It says this, it says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And, it, and in this way, he showed himself. So he's saying very specifically, this is how I'm showing myself. Simon Peter, it says, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. So there was six disciples together. Um, and then Jesus comes onto the shore, but is what we're about to read, they didn't know it was Jesus when they saw him because he was in his resurrected body. And this is a common theme of they didn't recognize him when they first saw him because the last vision they had of him of he was beaten and marred and was hanging on a cross. So it says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going, I'm going fishing. So Peter here has made up his mind. I'm done, I've ran, I've screwed up. When Jesus needed me the most, I was nowhere to be seen. And what we see happen here, this is so important, and I pray this hits your soul as it does mine, is when we feel we've screwed up, messed up, we think God's done with us, we think we've messed up this situation or the circumstance and it's unredeemable or I maybe even out of ignorance, I don't know how to redeem it, I don't know how to make something right. So we say, I'm done with it and I'm gonna go back to what I know and what I'm comfortable with. Peter was a commercial fisherman and there's something about this confession right here. It's not, I'm gonna go buy some time, I'm gonna go waste some time and wait to see kind of what becomes of my life. This is his confession of, I'm done. I've screwed up. I'm going back to fishing. There's weight in this. And he says, they said to him, we're going with you also. The other six that were there. It says, they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Doesn't this sound familiar? But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, isn't this funny? He refers to his disciples as children. Don't you have any food? And they answered him, 
very bluntly, no. And then Jesus said to them, cast thy net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coal there. This is important. And fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up, dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153 to be exact. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Anybody here today, do you hear this? Even Jesus telling us, come and eat breakfast with me. I love how personal this is. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So then they had eaten breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you don't wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, who's authoring this, following who had also leaned in on his breast the last supper and said, Lord, who is this one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to him, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is it that to you? You follow me. Then the saying went out among the brethren that this disciple should not die, yet Jesus did not say that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is it to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. This would be the end of the Gospel of John. This would actually be a second ending where John chapter 20 was the first and John would add later this resurrection account that we just read. And I wanted to read it into its entirety and speak into it um, of what is happening here in the life of Peter. So if you just follow along with me, I want to pull some truth that we can bet our life on of how Jesus works 
I need to tell someone today, too, that your failure is not final. You're not defined by your mistakes, your failures. But don't we want to live a life that's defined by our faith, by our love for Jesus? You see, Peter, we know, had a big personality. He had a big heart. His heart was a lot bigger than his head. We even see this where he had his clothes off, but he put his clothes on. And who does this when you jump out of a boat? You usually take some layers off. He puts layers on, and he jumps into the water. And we've been saying through this is that this series is that love runs to Jesus. So we see his love. We see him plunging in when he found out it was Jesus who revealed himself. But what I want you to see here is Jesus is strategically and purposely recreating a scene, recreating a moment that would look very, very familiar to Peter. When we see Peter called in the Gospels, it was on a boat where he was fishing and they were catching nothing. Jesus then appears to them when he said, I'm going fishing. And notice Peter's leadership if you look at the first few scriptures that we read. When Peter said he was going, he took six others with them. And this is, the, this is the daunting, weighty part of when you're a leader, when you're a father, when you're a husband, when you're a mother, when you're a wife, when you're leading people underneath you, is your decisions always affect other people around you and underneath you. I think we can miss this because Peter was very strong-willed, was a leader. He was rocky when Jesus says, you're my rock, I'm going to build my church on you. And so when Peter goes fishing, it's just not about him in this moment, but he takes six other disciples with him. This would change everything if this would be the narrative that would continue. So as he goes fishing and they're in the boat, this man that they didn't recognize comes up on the shore. What is it? He calls out to them. He calls them children. And this isn't a jab or a slam or something funny. Though there is humor in Christ's resurrected nature if you, if you read all the accounts. But you're about to see a father heart positioning itself to restore their child. Not an angry God, not a God who says, yeah, didn't you tell me three times or didn't you tell me that you would never betray me? Yet three days ago, you ran, you betrayed me. So we have a, a tendency if we're not careful and there have been times earlier on where I've read into this where you can see is Jesus bringing this up three times to really lay it on thick to Peter, to really make him feel the weight of his mistake. This is not the heart of God of what's happening here. And, and we'll see this in a moment. But we see Jesus recreating a moment to restore and ultimately heal Peter. Because think if you're Peter, every morning... For the last three days, when you heard the um, rooster crow, you're not thinking happy thoughts. That is a perpetual reminder of his betrayal to Jesus the Christ. Think of all the things that would be so saturated where if Jesus didn't intervene in Peter's life, he would have gone fishing and never come back. He would have been bitter. He would have been burdened. And there's no telling what this would lead into Peter's life because of the depth of what he had done. But Peter's failure wasn't final and neither is ours. And so Jesus comes onto the scene 
And he asked them, have you caught anything? And they all just looked, whoever this guy is on the shore, and they said no. Now, I've found this about God, and I think you would agree with me on this, is when we begin walking out of God's will, when we begin walking in a direction we're not supposed to out of maybe fear or failure, we've messed up, we don't know what to do now, and then we begin to put our feet in the ground and say, this is what I'm doing now. God has a way out of love, just as it did here, because Jesus was the one who didn't let them catch a thing. They were fishing all night before, and now it's morning. So they caught nothing. But Jesus has a way when we're out of his plan, out of his will, in a loving way, to make us feel unsettled a little bit and not let things go the way we thought it would go to get us to not get so comfortable in what we think is right. Aren't you thankful he does that? It's kind of a way he woos us and works with us and gets into the details of our lives. So he didn't let Peter get comfortable at fishing and do something he was naturally good at. Jesus was recreating a moment here because he wasn't gonna let Peter settle for average, this safe little life, just walk away from three years of following Jesus. But he had great purpose for his life. And he wasn't going to allow failure, shame, condemnation be the end of his story, and it's not for us either. And we see this restoration taking place, and we see this setting of a scene. And don't you love it? As Peter plunges in, you kind of see this narrative between, and John is John, the author here, will do this. As Peter is running about 100 yards into the shore, swimming, it then, I love how it puts it in the scripture, it says, then the other apostles just took about four rows and got there themselves and stayed dry and got to the seashore. So there's a little bit of, of humor there. But this is just what Peter does, and this is who he is. And so they get to the shore, and as they get to the shore, we see something just very personal and very touching about who Jesus is, and this is important, and, and get it ingrained in your mind and deep in your heart. So when moments of shame come into your life or not knowing which direction to go or feelings of failure, that you need to know this is who Jesus is. So Jesus shows up. They know it's the Lord. John reveals this. They didn't catch anything. And it says that they bring in a full net of fish. But as they bring in this full net of fish, the scripture says that Jesus already has a coal fire and fish cooking. You need to know this about Jesus. You don't need to bring anything to him. He doesn't need it. He's already got it. They're bringing in all this fish. He doesn't need it. He's already preparing a meal for them. He's preparing breakfast. And he says this beautiful statement, come eat breakfast with me. This is how good he is how personal he is. And so they sit down, they eat breakfast. And can you just picture for a moment, they begin talking, they begin sharing, they begin, I'm sure, asking him these questions of, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. And they didn't, like the scripture says, flat out ask it, but something was burning in their heart like it was on Emmaus. And they knew that this was Jesus talking with them. So they brought the fish, and it's very important that you see, again, how the scene is being set, because if you go and you look at 
the account of where Peter denied Jesus. After his third denial, or after his second denial, it says that um, Peter went around a coal fire. It says it very specifically. And there's only two times in the scripture a coal fire is mentioned. One is here in John 21, and then it's in the account of where Peter denies Jesus. So he goes, we see even the coal fire brought back. And if you're Peter, you're seeing no fish in the net. And then Jesus is bringing him around a coal fire again to where the scripture says when he denied him, he went around and he warmed his hands around this coal fire. And then we know in the denial, the third crow, the third confession of I don't know him, that Jesus locked eyes with him and he knew in that that moment he had betrayed his savior. And then the scripture says that Peter ran out of fear, out of defeat, and we don't see him again until on this seashore around another fire. And Jesus is doing a deep work of restoration in him. So I love that sometimes for us to find healing, and and please hear me in this, this is so important. And I believe this is gonna unlock something for somebody who's here with what the Holy Spirit's doing right now. Sometimes he has to recreate and bring us back into moments of our life, not for us to relive it, but so that we can release it. So Peter is reliving something but it's not for him to say there it's not for him to for Jesus to say I told you so I'm heaping hot coals on you but it's so that he can release and step forward into the fullness of the mission that God has for him so we see they're around the fire and if that wasn't enough of a message for Peter to take cue of what was happening he then calls Peter by his full name, Simon, son of Jonah. I don't know about you, but when my mom would call me by my full name, Garrett Wayne Cusick, I would straighten up and know something bad's probably about to happen, right? She's trying to get my attention. There's something about to be communicated here that you better listen, you better pay attention. So Jesus calls out his full name when they had finished eating breakfast, and then he's no nonsense. He gets to the point and he says, here's what's about to happen. So they eat breakfast, and then we see the work of restoration. And we see three times that he's to feed his lambs. And I want you to see this about Jesus' interaction with Peter as well. And this is where we see that it's not Jesus, it's not a Savior that's putting all of this weight, all of this, bringing him into his moment of betrayal. But he knew he had to go to this place in order so Peter could move forward. And what we see happen here and how we know it's of moving forward is because he just doesn't bring up Peter's past, but what does he say? He then commissions him into his future. He says, do you love me? Talking of the past. But then he says, if you love me, then tend to my lambs. Future. So he's healing his past, but in the same moment, he's calling him and pushing him into the future that God has for him which is the feeding of his sheep. And there's even this place, because Peter, if you remember, he said to Jesus, even if every other disciple leaves you, I'll always be here. I'll always be your rock. So there was an ego 
that was deep within Peter. There was pride that was in him that Jesus knew he had to heal. So the first time when he asked him, do you love me? It's almost this moment of Peter saying, oh, I can't love you in my own strength. I've failed you. And it's Jesus telling him, you have to go to a deeper place. You have to allow me to be your strength to love you because without me, you're gonna fail every time. And I pray we can hear this and see this, that anything we try to do in our own strength without him, it will always fail. Even as much authority we feel about in the moment, as much as we confess it, as much as we believe it, if it's, ab- if it's absent of him, failure will be on the other side of it. So there's this deep work happening. There's healing. And he's opening this wound of Peter. I don't know about you, but I don't like a wound that's been messy and needs some attention. When you open it up, if, if there's someone opening it up who doesn't know what they're doing or isn't skilled enough to handle it, they're going to make the wound worse. And I think many times we hide our wounds. We don't know what to do with them. But Jesus is saying, you've got to bring your wounds to me. Not so you relive and stay in this place of pain, but I want to release some things out of your life and call you once again into the future I have for you. So he's recommissioning him, he's reinstating him, and he's doing this powerful work. And what we see here is we see a picture of how Jesus treats us in our failure. I mean, do you ever ask God this? God, how do you feel about me when I fail? We know how, how friends or maybe a spouse or maybe family is, even with the best intention, sometimes we... We take how a moment in our past or maybe an insecurity that happened to us um, and we equate that that's how Jesus deals with us in the most vulnerable parts of our life. Well, you need to see this today. Jesus is not mad at Peter. He's not sticking it to Peter. He is a God we can trust with the most broken parts, the most shameful parts of our life. And we can bring it to him and he can actually heal that which has wounded us. He can heal the place of most shame that's brought us the most guilt or that's brought us condemnation. And he does it many times unexpectedly. He does it around the breakfast table. Aren't you thankful that it just doesn't have to happen in a church service? It just doesn't have to happen, um, you know, when you're feeling spiritual, but can it happen on the seashore around a breakfast table? I love that he, he does this and how he does it and how he restores Peter. In this moment, he creates. And so my heart this morning, even as you get into verse 20, and if you put verse 20 back up, you kind of see this weird moment or this awkward moment or this selfish moment even between Peter and what he thinks or what he feels about John. So it says that he turned and he saw the disciple who Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? So this deep work, and this isn't this like humanity, isn't this like us at times? He's doing a deep work in Peter And Peter knows what he's doing, but he's deflecting on, well, what about John? What about him? 
What are you going to do to him? What are you going to say to him? Maybe it's unfair. But look what Jesus says. He brings it back. I'm not talking about John. I'm talking about you. And this is so much of what Jesus does. He makes it about us when we try to make it about another situation, another circumstance. He's very poignant. He's very particular. He's very thorough. And if you'll let him keep the target of your heart, that's where a deep work can happen and real breakthrough take place. I love what verse 24 says. It says that this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And don't you love that John puts this in because the story just doesn't end with Peter here. He's writing our story. Many times we add the drama and he brings the healing. And we find like Peter did, I can't be my own hero. I can't save myself. I can't recreate something better in my life without him. And it says in verse 25 that there are also many other things that Jesus did. Wouldn't you love to have those scriptures of the many other things that he did? We'll find out about all of those things on the other side of eternity. And it says if they were written out one by one, that there wouldn't even be enough books that could contain it and be written. This is how John ends his gospel. I mean, this is incredible of the many things that Jesus did. And what I want to encourage you today, and if you would just stand with me for a moment. You would just bow your head, close your eyes. And I want you just to go before the Lord and I want you to see the points of failure in your life, the points of trauma that keep you up at night or wake you up or the shoulda, woulda, couldas, if I woulda did this, if I woulda did that. And I just believe this morning that the love of Jesus, his restorative work, his healing power wants to come and touch those wounds of uncertainty. Touch those places where you've said, I wanna go fishing or I am going fishing, that you've walked away, you've got off course. And today you need to get back on course. You need to get back around the campfire. And I love it because Jesus doesn't leave them at the campfire. Many times we wanna sit and we wanna talk and we wanna get emotional and we want to just flesh all this stuff out, but never moving forward into mission. So maybe you're even here today and you're stuck at the campfire. I pray today that you can step out and hear the loving voice of a good shepherd that says, tend my sheep, follow me, trust me. I trust in God, my savior, the one who never fails. Allow the Lord to just recreate some things right now in your heart, in your mind, in your thinking, in your perception. Oh, Jesus, you're close. We don't want you to pass us by. We want to sit with you at the place of maybe that caused us pain, that was a turning point in our life, not to relive it, but to say, it's finished, it's released, I'm no longer bound 
to my betrayal. I'm no longer bound to my shame. If anything, it led me right back to you. Jesus, I pray you break into these parts of our lives. It might not be here in this moment. It might be when we sit down at lunch. It might be on the way to work tomorrow, whenever it is. But right now in your presence, I pray that you come and invade these places. Jesus, you prepare a meal for us, like the scripture said. We don't have to bring anything but our surrender to you. Can you whisper that to him? Can you say, I surrender? Jesus, we surrender to you, to your touch, to your ways. We surrender the fear of the unknown. Peter didn't know what was next. We surrender to what's on the other side. But we would see, even as the scripture says in Peter's death, that Jesus said, now, as you go here restored, that you're gonna one day stretch out your hands, speaking to Peter that in the year 64, tradition will tell us that Peter made the confession of, I am not even worthy to die as my savior did. Crucify me upside down. So one day Peter's hands would be stretched out like his savior. So, Father, we even ask, as Peter knew that there might be pain, there might be death, which there was for him, there might be uncertainty, that just because you touch us in this place doesn't mean you're sending us off into a wild blue yonder where everything is just peaceful and there's tranquility, all of these things we get in our mind. You might be sending us into a dark situation because if we're gonna tend to the lambs, Sheep needy, shepherd. Sheep are lost. This generation is lost, hurting, broken. The world needs a church and a people that will tend the sheep. But it first starts in our home, with our spouse, with our children. Oh God, the places that we know that we have dropped the ball. God, we pick it up today in a, in a spirit of restoration. And God, we ask that just as Peter, that we would live lives that glorify you, that aren't defined by our mistakes or our failures, but even as it said in the scripture, that our death would glorify you. That we would live every waking breath saying, Jesus, how can you use it? How can my life be used for your glory? How can I serve? How can I love? How can I care? Less of me and more of you. This is the place that Peter came to. Empty ourselves right now, Holy Spirit. And as we're emptied of the trauma, of the pain, of the shame, of the guilt, fill us with life. Fill us with grace. Stretch out our hands and remove anything that we're trying to hide, that we're afraid to let go of. Jesus, heal us, heal the wounds, heal the shame. We love you, Lord. As we continue to pray, I want you just to lead us in a moment of worship, Bree, and then we're gonna partake of breakfast, the Lord's body and his blood this morning.
and just allow the power of communion to rejuvenate our union with him, that these things be removed. So just continue to pray, stay in a place of allowing the Holy Spirit to touch you in these places this morning. I stand in I stand in I stand in Stay. 
Who would put this picture up, Nadia, of Jesus' ascension? In two weeks, we're going to have this moment of standing in awe of the one who ascended. And when he ascended, he said that it's better that I go because I'm sending the one who will comfort you. I'm sending the one, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. But today, I want us to have this posture of standing in awe because anytime the Lord touched Peter, Luke, those in his resurrected body, they had this response of, I am in awe of the one. And can we truly say we're in awe of Jesus of what he's done for us? Do we live our lives just in this mundane, the Bible's just information, it's just a book for how I'm supposed to do X, Y, Z, or do we see this beautiful tapestry of love that is weaved in and out that says Jesus is alive, that death, he, he conquered death, he gives us his spirit here and now to empower us, to heal us, and to touch us. I'm sick and tired, and I'm talking to myself of seeing Christians walk defeated, not knowing the potential, the power that Jesus gave his life for and that he sits at the right hand of the Father praying for you to get the revelation of. If we can get the heart of Jesus, and even as he ascended with wounds in his hand, he had wounds on his resurrected body, it is a sign that the cross it is a sign that his wounds are higher than our wounds. And if we'll put our wounds in his wounded hands, then healing will flow. So I want you just to lift your hands like this and receive. And I want you just to see as we take communion that the resurrected, ascended Christ sits above every point of shame, guilt, condemnation, every piece of trauma, everything you've walked through, things done to you, wounds that you've carried for years and years that you don't you know you should give it up today and you still have it because you're afraid of it i know jesus loves you in spite of your surrender this is how amazing god is but i'm trying to help you today and get you to a place of yieldedness and surrender jesus we thank you that you give us steps along the way. You give us the moment in the boat saying, yeah, I've complicated your life a little bit, so you'll look to me. You're not gonna catch anything without me. You put us then lovingly around a coal fire and you talk with us and you bring healing. You get into the places of our lives of restoration, of putting us on mission. You teach us to stop looking at what our, your, is happening in our neighbor's life, not getting discontent, not getting jealous, not getting envious of what God's doing over there, but you say, put your blinders on and look at me. Because 
Peter knew best, if I take my eyes off Jesus, I sink. So let us learn from Peter that we've got to keep our eyes on him. And as Jesus has ascended at the right hand of the Father, as he brought the blood sacrifice, that the blood of Jesus today has power over every single thing. It is the most powerful substance known to man. And we have it in our hands right now. That the blood still works. The blood is still applied. And Father, I pray you move our cold hearts to a posture of being in awe. Anytime Jesus is present, we should be awestruck. If you take and prepare your communion. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, we do today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Great to sing this under your breath all day today that he is the exalted one. And I'm believing for stories of and testimonies of breakthrough as we read at the end of John that we be a part of that living love letter that what the Lord has done in our life today and what he's doing in us personally that there wouldn't be books enough to contain the goodness of God at work in your life. I truly believe and I feel the Lord is here today that as we take communion, something would change, something would be healed, that a deep work would begin. That you don't play around with Jesus, but you live your life surrendered and you live your life yielded. We do this imperfectly as Peter did many, many times. But if God can do and restore Peter, he can restore anyone. This is the hope we have of looking at Peter's life today and let him touch you. So if you hold up the body of Jesus and if you break it, because the scripture says it was broken for us. Jesus, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you for the healing touch of God, that he not only heals us, but then he teaches us. He sets us free, but then he teaches us how to live free. So Jesus, open up our heart as Peter did. You restored him, but then you taught him, and we look at the amazing endeavors in the book of Acts and First and Second Peter, how you would use Peter to teach and to heal and be a, a powerful apostle. God, you can take the broken things of our life, the messes of our lives, and do amazing things with it. And it all begins with the broken body of Jesus. Without the broken body of Jesus, you, there's no restoration. So we thank you for this restoration today as we hold the body up that it's our restoration. We take of his body. And Father, as we take the blood today, we repent of our sins. Oh, Jesus, cleanse us, our vessel, our temple. We need you. Let us not grieve your precious Holy Spirit today. We know we all have an appointed day of death. And Jesus, we want to live every moment in communion with you, turning towards you, yielded towards you, looking towards you, 
take and redeem our businesses, take and redeem our work, take and redeem our money, our families, our treasure, the things that we hold near and dear. God, let it not be done in vain. Let it not be done in a wrong spirit like Peter said, I'm done, I'm going fishing. But God, we want you to be on our boat because without it, nothing good can come from our life. It's in our own flesh, it's in our own works, it's in our own hands. So as we hold the blood up today, we thank you that it flow into the deepest parts of our life, that it touch, heal, redeem, set free. I thank you that this blood that was purchased on Calvary, God, that as we look upon the pierced one, that life would flow from it. I thank you that life is flowing into every family. Life is flowing into every heart. I praise you, Lord, for the miracle of Woody's heart, the the stents that were put in this week, having minor heart attacks, and he walked out of there and is here today in church this week. So we thank you for his health today. We thank you for Brother Gary, who's here in the house today after his fusion, after his surgery, as we're believing for his healing. God, and we just hold the cup up for all, for Lenita, who's watching online today, who visited, went in the hospital with pneumonia and is healing and recovering. God, all the requests of this house, we are a family, we are connected, and we believe as we pray for each other, God, that healing will flow. Those that can't be here to take communion, we include them right now in the name of Jesus for their healing. We include our family, those that are, are not saved, those that are lost, those that need Jesus. We include them yes. in the yes. blood of Jesus and we send forth the word and ask that it would heal them yes. this day in the name of Jesus. This is not some ordinary cup, but it is the cup of the new covenant. Oh, Jesus, thank you that we are in covenant with you. That nothing can break that. You've broken the power of sin and death. We take the body. We now we take the blood of Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. His blood shed for us. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.